when you get a test result, well, no matter what it is, if it's your colonoscopy or your STI test, when you're negative and you know, it feels amazing. Like, remember that a lot of these are asymptomatic. So you can't just assume you'll know because you won't know. And then the earlier you know, either you're negative, it's fantastic, or you're positive, you get treated before there's sequelae or side effects or before you're spreading it to other people, just like become empowered. I'm Alexa, and you're listening to That Sex Check, a Soulfire production. Hi, That Sex Check listeners. So I'm going to get to have a conversation with all of you about sexual health. And this is one of the first times that I'm bringing this conversation to all of you. Um, specifically to go into STIs and STDs and how people navigate the realities of an STI or an STD versus speculation versus conversations that are filled with shame versus conversations that start with, we don't talk about that or conversations that go a little like, maybe this is an internal dialogue. That's never going to happen to me. So um, I am bringing on someone really special that is how would I describe Emily now <laughs> after getting to spend, I don't know, a cool 10 minutes chit chatting before we got the show started. I would say lively, just moved to a beautiful place in the United States, which I can let her talk about. Uh, and who feels to me just in upon meeting that this is purpose work to educate people in this realm so that we can lessen the stigma so that we get, can get people real information. And with that real information and true information, that's less about being shamed and less about being chastised or um, giving that correct information. People can feel empowered and educated to make decisions that are the best for them. And so I'm really excited to bring this conversation to you. Um, it's kind, I'm kind of surprised that we've gone this long and only mentioned sexual health here and there on some of the shows, but that this conversation is specifically about sexual health. And of course, I have my own stories that I will interweave, I'm sure, into this conversation. Some of you might be surprised by some of the things I share on this show, but of course, my request is that all of you listen as usual with an open mind and an open heart. And be prepared for some ahas. So Emily, thank you so much for coming on to That Sex Chick. I'm super excited to be here. Anytime I get to open my mouth and create a better situation for people, it makes me happy. So I love that so much. And so I just asked you before we got, um, before I hit record, like tell me something that you're really excited about in your life right now. And so I want to give you an opportunity to say it again because you lit up. Oh, I'm super excited. I just moved to Lake Tahoe. California, which is one of the most beautiful spots in the world, in my opinion. Um, so I've been trying to get here for 30 years. And so now I'm here and it's been only two weeks, but it's been incredible. Just incredible. Mm. A bear walked by yesterday morning. That was super fun. Just like my new neighbor, the bear. Uh, it's gorgeous up here. So I'm, I feel energized. It's so great. Good. I love that so much. And so now we have all of the that sex chick listeners celebrating you. And probably a few that are like, oh my gosh, I'm into Lake Tahoe too. Um, yes. So I would love a little bit of the backstory um, and how you eventually wound up in Lake Tahoe and working for Nurex, um, okay. because we are going to talk about the product and we are going to talk about how people can get informed and take control over getting their own, you know, at home testing and all that kind of stuff. But I would love a little bit of your story and how you got into this work. Okay. So, uh, in 1983, I graduated from college which, with a Bachelor's of Fine Arts in Theater Directing in Boston. And um, I was working in theater and my friends started getting sick uh, and started dying. And I couldn't, I didn't think theater was my way of helping. And so after watching several of my friends die, I, it was becoming too much for me. I was living in San Francisco. I called the San Francisco AIDS Foundation, which had been open for, I don't know, a couple months and said, I want to volunteer. And I was part of the first class of volunteers on the phone when we literally had one page of information around HIV. And through that, and uh, I just decided that wasn't enough either. So I gave up my theater career and went to nursing school and went to nurse practitioner school. And then I've been an HIV specialist for the last 25 years in clinics in and around uh, San Francisco, Sacramento area here in California, primarily focused on taking care of women with HIV. Um, 
that's been my specialty area. So not only do I take care of their HIV, but I do their pap smears and I do their sexual health and I do their diabetes and hypertension and whatever else needs to happen, preventative services. And in the beginning, everyone was dying so fast, it was hard to even keep up. And now it's been an amazing turnaround with HIV. You can get away with one pill once a day and live a full life as long as you take your meds. And then came in prevention with PrEP. And I've been involved in the clinical trials with PrEP. And it is a, it's like a game changer to be able to offer a service to someone who wants to be a sexually engaged human, but doesn't want to have to be fearful of HIV. And this is the answer. Because people, honestly, we tell everyone to use condoms. Who likes to use condoms every single time? Nobody that I know. Um, and so this adds to a level of safety, but also responsibility and empowering of yourself to say, I am protecting myself and therefore I can do what I want. So it's a really exciting field. So from that, in the, I left the exam room and joined Nurex because we have a prep program and an STI program that empowers people to do this from their own home without trying to have an uncomfortable conversation with providers who still are not comfortable having this conversation. And so we've, I was really excited to come and be a part of that, to be a part of the expansion of services to people who don't feel welcome in the traditional medical setting. Yeah. That's how I got here. Wow. <laughs> I love it so much. Thanks. Yeah. So I'm curious now that you said like some providers that are still not comfortable to talk about some of this, what, what does that sound like? Well, um, it depends on who you are, I think. So I'll use myself as an example. Mm -hmm. So I have tattoos. I grew up in Berkeley. Yep. Free sex. Oh, I got elephants all over me. I have butterflies um, all over me. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I have gone, I've had a million appointments and not one provider has ever asked me who I'm sleeping with. Not one provider ever asked me, do I want a hepatitis C test? I'm covered in tattoos. Not one has ever asked me if I want an HIV test, except for when I was pregnant. And I think the fear of having the conversation, because if you ask, that means you need to like spend an hour talking about sex. No, you don't. You need to say, okay, well, we're doing your cholesterol. We're going to do an HIV test. We're going to do other STIs. Like you don't even really need to make it uncomfortable. Just make it part of normal care. And I think that there's a resistance that it means you're going to have to be able to talk to them about, I don't know, how to do sex. And people don't want to do that. And also our system is set up that you have a 15 minute appointment, right? So if you go in with, with a chief complaint and they only have 15 minutes to talk to you, sex is the last thing on the plate. So people are being missed and um, it's really unfortunate. And particularly, I think women, and the reason I say this is that here at Nurex in the last three months, we had three women come to us from Atlanta. It's not like they're in the boonies. They're in Atlanta where the CDC lives. All three of them have not been feeling well for at least two years and have been going to doctors with weight loss, yeast infections, rashes, fevers all workups done. Nobody did an HIV test on all three of these women or any STI testing. And so they fortunately found us and did a home test. They thought maybe they had like out of control chlamydia or out of control gonorrhea, something like that. But our kits include an HIV test. And so they did the HIV test. And sure enough, not only did they, were they HIV positive, but they had what's called full-blown AIDS on diagnosis. Like if these women hadn't taken the initiative to do this themselves, they could have possibly died of AIDS, even though they've been seeking medical care in their town. To me, that makes me crazy. Mm -hmm. They shouldn't have to work so hard to get the care. Totally. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. That definitely breaks my heart for sure. Yeah. yeah. Mine too. And theirs too. Like they were just blown away. Mm -hmm. um, it, and, and I, and I just think sexual health isn't really taught in medical school. Um, you shouldn't have to wait to get to like an infectious disease specialist to have an HIV conversation. It should, right. you should never have to see an infectious disease specialist, right? Yeah. You should be protecting yourself. So totally. that's what, you know, the system just isn't set up right. Right. And so then as an example, companies like Nurex then take mm -hmm. control over the fact that the system is failing a lot of people right. so that right. this is now something that's available for people to be able to take their health and their yes. protection and their, um, just their journey into their own hands instead of like relying on a primary care physician of some sort, um, to give them what they need, so to speak. Right. So, Correct. yeah, yeah, this can all happen without me, without me seeing your face, for example. So if you're shy or feeling scared, this is the perfect place because we will give you all the information through asynchronous messaging with each other. And so you can share whatever, cause I'm not going to spot you in the street. I don't know who you are. And, um, and even if I spotted you, I personally 
I'm so happy that you reached out. I don't really care. But that there is a lot of shame around sex. You know this. I mean, who am I talking to here, right? And I, and this adds to the shame. And, um, and I wish it wouldn't because, you know, we, we don't feel shame when we get strep throat from kissing someone. Right. It's strep throat. So why do we feel shame about getting chlamydia? Like we just shouldn't. And so this allows you to, um, our, our product allows you to not have to worry about being embarrassed. You can just do this all from your home. Let me just tell people how it works. Sure. So we have an app at neurax.co and you can go online and you'll see, we have different service lines. So we have a whole STI service line and we have different kits that you can order. You fill out a little survey that basically lets us know that you're okay right now. And that um, you want to haven't had a recent HIV exposure, for example, you just want STI testing. Then our nurses actually look at your, you look at your request and we send you a kit to your home that has HIV, syphilis, hepatitis C, gonorrhea, chlamydia. And, and I want to talk about like where you test for your, your body for STIs. Cause there's a misconception there. So I'll get to that. Okay. Um, and hepatitis C, syphilis, gonorrhea, chlamydia, trichomonas for women. Mm. We send you a kit to your house. It doesn't say like STI kit all over it. It just looks like a package like you would get from Amazon. It's really discreet. You do all the work yourself. So you can poke your finger like a little diabetic does with a little poker, put blood on a card. And then we give you swabs or a urine collection tube, depending on the test you've ordered to test yourself for gonorrhea and chlamydia. And I just want everyone to know that gonorrhea and chlamydia doesn't just live in the vagina or the penis, right? It lives in the throat and it lives in the rectum. And so if you want to get full screening for STIs, you have to test all three sites. And unfortunately in our sort of traditional brick and mortar setting, they often just hand a woman a cup and have her pee in the cup and then tell her she doesn't have any STIs. It's not necessarily true, right? Because it could be in your throat without symptoms. It could also be in your rectum. Even if you don't have anal sacs, it can drip down, right? Like our bio, our bodies are all blended together and everything touches each other. Totally. And so for thorough screening, you really should test three sites, men and women. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's really important. And you get to do all of that from your home, in your own room, swabbing your own self. Nobody has to do it for you. And then you put it in an envelope and you send it back to us. And then we let you know your results and your results, either way, we will let you know if all is negative, we let you know if it's positive, we let you know, we can offer treatment for things that need, that can be treated with oral medications, or we get you linked to care if you need to go for an injection for syphilis, for example, but we will walk you through the entire process in our STI service line. For people who want to get on HIV prevention, we have a PrEP service line. PrEP is the pill you take every day to prevent HIV acquisition. Um, it prevents the HIV from taking hold in your body. So you don't get HIV works for men and women. And we do testing for that also from your home that includes STI testing as well. And so, and then we send you your prep to your house if you're HIV negative and everything looks good. And we just keep retesting you every three to six months and you stay on prep and you don't get HIV. We also do contraception for those of you that want contraception. We do migraine management. We do acne care. We do herpes care, um, treatment for herpes also. So all those things are right there from your own home, in your own time, off your phone or your laptop, however you want to do it. Uh, Isn't that, y'all listening, doesn't that sound like so much better than setting up an appointment, awkward, it's cold, it's bright, it's quick, and maybe you have questions, but you're afraid to ask them. By the time you finally get the nerve to ask them, your appointment's over, you're shooed out, you're not sure. And then I think for a lot of people, it's like, they just go, you know what? I'm just gonna let it go. Exactly. thing that I had a question about, I'm actually just gonna let it go. And so then people wind up going many, many years undiagnosed with something like chlamydia or something like that because they don't have any symptoms, but they had this partner that, yada, 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 and this whole story. So yeah, it, and it is, it is absolutely wild. Right. Yeah. I think, I think also too, in our culture, we think that the, that, that the doctors, nurse practitioners, whoever your provider are, are sort of like doing us a favor by taking care of us. And I'm sorry, but as the provider, I work for you. You don't work for me. I'm here to serve you, but I think that we're afraid to speak. Like there's some hierarchy that like, especially around doctors. Oh, it's a doctor. Like I can't, I can't tell them what I want. They tell me what I want. No, no, no. It really needs to flip and we need to work for the patient. Thousand percent. So yeah. um, I'm curious because you've now mentioned several of the STDs, STIs and, and that back and forth. So for those who might not know the difference between the two, would you mind going into the two different acronyms and what they mean? 
STI and STD. Mm-hmm. Um, they're the same thing in the end, mm-hmm. right? Gonorrhea, chlamydia, syphilis. But they're not, a, these are curable. They are not a disease, like a long-term disease. A disease has a connotation of like, you're sick for life. Right. And so in order to also lessen the stigma a little bit, it's just an infection and it's treatable. And even HIV, which is a chronic or herpes, which is chronic, is still treatable. So it's a less stigmatizing name. You're not a disease-ridden person. You just happen to have an STI. And so I prefer STI over STD because it, to me, it equates it like, you know, strep throat is an infection, right. you know, an earache is an infection. Chlamydia is an infection. Yeah. So it's just normalizing and trying to get rid of the, the totally. fear language around this stuff. Yeah. I've written about this m- um, many times as well. It's like, I go, um, what, what I've said this uh, many times, it's something along the lines of like, it took me, it was easier that the dosage of antibiotics was easier to move through chlamydia than it was the common cold. Totally. You know, so, so one of my, one of my stories is that I, so I lived and worked on cruise ships, Mm -hmm. right. And we talked about that. So I lived and worked on cruise ships and I saw a lot of dicks from a lot of places. And, uh, and I joke about that, right? Like all the different type types, um, all different colors, shapes, sizes, circumcised, intact, all of the above. And, um, for the vast majority of the time that I was working and living on ships, I was in a called, it was monogamous on my side, uh, relationship. And there was a point in time where I actually wound up with bacterial vaginosis and I, I had no reason that that happened. Like there was no way in my mind that I could put it together, but I just, things weren't quite right there. There was a weird smell. And I was like, what am I actually doing? dealing with here. And then I went in for my like normal, really intense medicals that you have to have in order to work on ships. And they told me bacterial vaginosis. They also, at that time when I went for like my pap smear and all of that, I got kind of pressured to be on birth control, even though I wasn't having that much sex at that time, that relationship was just a very tumultuous. I learned a lot in that mm-hmm. relationship is one of those. Um, some may say that I have all of the things that I have right now in my brands and my business and in my life due to that one particular relationship and all the things mm-hmm. that I learned. Um, so I'm not quite sure. And, and of course I can ask you like, you know, the different places that you can wind up contracting bacterial vaginosis, but I also know that that person was not uh, necessarily faithful, so to mm-hmm. speak. And there was some experiences that were happening outside of our relationship that I may never know the truth Um, And so there's a possibility that it could have come from there, but I felt so much shame and it was a number of months that I just kept thinking that I, whether it might've been diet or it was just like the type of underwear I was wearing, or it was like the detergent on the ship. And I just kept thinking it was all these different things. And then eventually I wound up getting an antibiotic that took care of it pretty quickly. Um, And I couldn't like drink or anything on that. And I like remember that from that time. And then I also wound up, um, feeling kind of pressured from my, the the person I went to, the doctor that I went to, to get on some type of birth control um, because his response was, well, are you having any sex at all? And I was like, well, it's very rarely. And he's like, well, if you don't want to get pregnant, then get on prevention. And I was like, okay, well, I might as well do that. I wound up getting an IUD um, put in that I would have for about four and a half years before I removed it a few years ago. Um, I wound up having an ovarian cyst in reaction balloon So like went through this whole process uh, and I was in South Africa at the time while all of this happened. Um, And so like not in my country and all that wound up having surgery. This is a whole, a whole situation. Um, So anyway, that was like the first, my like connection with sexual health, Mm -hmm. uh, my body, all of that. I just dreaded the whole, everything about it, like the whole pap smear process. Um, And then it was just like, every time I go in here to get some kind of information about my body and what my choices and all of that is like, I don't leave happy, you know, I don't leave in all that informed. and I don't necessarily leave happy. Um, Good news. The bacterial vaginosis cleared up very quickly. I wound up having uh, surgery to get the ovarian cyst removed. And then I wound up having uh, really no more complications with my IUD until I eventually my body was like, just giving me messages to get it out. Mm -hmm. Um, So that wasn't even really the story that I was going to tell, but it felt like, it felt like one of those things that I could share. Maybe some, some of the people who listen to the show could be like, Oh, like that sounds resonant or familiar. Um, but anyway, after I got out of that relationship, um, I started to engage more and date and get into sexual experiences. And there was one person 
that I still look back on. I tell him, thank you so much for opening my mind um, to alternative relationship styles and, uh, and just like really getting clear on what I wanted as far as a relationship goes. And I'll never forget, um, we were hooking up on one of my ships and then I got transferred to another ship and we still kept in touch and we'd had, you know, we were each other's partners, but I know that he was also seeing other people. And then we had also had an experience with another person involved and, um, and, and I am now on my other ship and he, him, he calls me on the ship we have a, an exchange and he says, well, you know, he's asking me how I'm doing, blah, 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 blah. And he goes, Oh, by the way, I got my medicals done. I tested positive chlamydia for chlamydia. And I don't know if that was before or after you. So you might want to go, uh, get the antibiotics or, you know, go to the medical and just like get it taken care of. And I like went white. I was like, Holy shit. What did you just say? Because at that time, delivering that piece of information was like, Oh my God, my life's over chlamydia. My life is over. Like I'm damned forever. How am I ever going to talk about this? Who do I need to tell about this? all this whole like shit storm of emotions and like all that kind of happened. And then I just like kind of went cold and I was like, I love you and you motherfucker. And also now in hindsight, I'm like, why are you motherfucker? It's so common. So, right. you know, I got like hands on my hips and I had a, a different partner on this new ship that I was on. And I was like, well, I've got to tell this person, but I don't actually know if I have it. And so I need to go figure out if I have it so that I don't have to be humiliated and tell this other person. And it was a whole story. So I went to the medical on the ship. And I was like, tried to be as empowered as I could and be like, okay, I had a previous partner tell me that they tested positive chlamydia. So I am here to find out what I need to do. And the person goes, we'll just give you the antibiotics. And I go, no testing. No testing. Didn't test. And their response was now, and I'm realized this now that, that this has gone on and this is years ago too, that this is like not super uncommon. And I'm definitely curious your thoughts on this. Cause I, you know, I want to know, and of course the, I'm sure that the listeners would benefit from it, but they were like, well, we'll just give you the antibiotics. It's like one thing or two pills that you need to take and then you're done. And, and I was like, well, don't you want to find out if I have it or something like that? And they were like the process to get you off of the ship to go get that done and what it would cost is too much. It's so common, especially amongst crew members and whatever, that they have the policy that they just give you. So I couldn't even find out if I had it or not. It was just given to me. And then I was also given antibiotics for my new partner. Right. That I then just give, give, I like, I went and I had this moment with my new partner and I was like, I don't know if this is a thing, but I just took antibiotics for, for it. And then I like slid the little packet over to him and I was like, here. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that was like my, my story with committee, but really, so I've got some questions there, which I think you already have like some stuff that you want to share on it. But then really what I realized on the back end was if that's the process that they took and it was like, so nonchalant, no big deal. Why have I, my whole life been thinking that getting a diagnosis of chlamydia or syphilis or, or any of them was going to be, my life is over. Like, why, why was I holding that inside of my body? This like low, this, this level of shame, even within sexual interactions. And I didn't even know if I had it or not at the time. So here's my first question to you is that at that time, were your, were you and your friends even discussing STIs? Like was, what would, do you feel like your friend would actually tell you if they had had chlamydia? Like, I think that we spend so much time not talking about it, that we leave people like you feeling isolated when it actually happens when in fact, it's probably happened to all of us. If you look at the rates of STI infections, like we've all, you're bound to get one. One of them, you're bound to get it. And so if we can just have this conversation, then you wouldn't have had to go through that isolation, which is where you were sitting with that. Like having to talk to a stranger, no friends to talk to about it. The previous guy's on another ship. You're on this weird ship. Like then you're in this new relationship. And because it's so, people are so afraid that it perpetuates the fear. Yeah. And the isolation. For sure. Yeah. And yeah. this idea that if it, if it does come up, it's like the worst thing that could ever happen. Worst. It is not the worst. Which is not. No, it's not. It's not. But you can see what it does for, for many people there. Here's part of the problem too. Now that I'm on this soapbox. <laughs> the recommendations is that women get screened for chlamydia and gonorrhea Every year under 25 and then over 25, like as needed based on their sexual history. There's no recommendations. They don't know what to do about testing men, but I'm sorry, where are the girls getting this from the dudes? Right? So 
if we don't generally, if we don't open up STI testing to everyone, because this is what I mean, I worked at Planned Parenthood for years. I would see the same girls over and over again because we would treat them. They'd be afraid to tell the boyfriend. The boyfriend would reinfect them. They get treated. They're afraid to tell the boyfriend. The boyfriend reinfects them over and over and over again because nobody is telling the boys, go get tested. Like you can be asymptomatic, go get tested. And we're not. So it's not in the schools. It's not, you know, most young, most young boys don't go to the doctor, right? Most young men don't go to the doctor until something's wrong. They're not good at preventative care, whereas women were supposed to get our glass smears and breast exams. So we have more connection to the medical world, but we have to do better to get these boys in there, men in there, you know, and open it up to, because we're all giving it to each other. Yeah. You don't, this is not an isolation, right? I didn't get chlamydia by myself. Right. So, right. Yeah. Right. Okay. So what are your thoughts on the fact that they didn't even test me? Well, I have two thoughts on that. Like if you had been in a clinic where they, like a Planned Parenthood, then I would have tested you and treated you on the same day. Because the goal is to get you treated um, because it can cause sterility, right? We don't want scarring in your fallopian tubes. We want to get you cared for. The treatment is very benign. It's a, you know, you take those, they should have given you two pills. You took them once. Now the treatment is a little longer because of just non-compliance or whatever. But, um, but I think that being on the ship, I can see why they would do that because there was no access to a laboratory. We are all, all of us in the STI world are, are waiting very impatiently for rapid STI testing, meaning you can swab your vagina, stick it in the tube. It'll tell you right there in your own home, what you got, right? That's in the works. That would be so incredible. Cause like we have rapid HIV testing, like a pregnancy test, but we don't have that yet. So I can see why they did what they did, Mm -hmm. but, but, um, and I probably would have treated you too. And I would have given you the partner treatment. We always do that. The recommendations are that the partner get treated at the same time, regardless of whether or not they test. So you're not just doing this back and forth thing and you can, it also opens up the dialogue that needs to happen. Yeah. Like they're right. Let's talk about STIs. Let's get tested together. Let's get treated for whatever we got right now so that we can go and have a really good time together and not worry about it. For sure. Because that, yeah, that's exactly what it does. Now we're talking, now we're being vulnerable. Now we're, we're even touching on things that with each other that we wouldn't normally touch on with other people. And what's so fascinating is that this, this conversation happens after you put things in orifices. Right. Right. We're so afraid to have the conversation before because we're so afraid of rejection, right? We totally. don't, yeah. we want to be loved. And so by that desire to be loved makes us afraid. Yeah. Afraid to, yeah. Yes. If I've got, I don't know, maybe five or 10 minutes and I want a quick release, you know, the kind, I know the exact toy that'll do the trick. Or I know the exact friction and rhythm to deliver with my hands in order to do it too. But if I want to slow things way down for a totally different experience, when I'm not in a rush, when I can spend some true quality time with myself, there's some very specific accessories that I like to grab. Sometimes I blindfold myself or I dim the lights really low. Sometimes I use a feather up and down my arms while vibey music plays in the background. Sometimes I get as much of my body involved as I possibly can. I run my hands through my hair, down my face, and I let my fingers dance all over the surface of my skin. I put pressure on my inner thighs. I take my sweet time seducing myself before ever touching my genitals. And when I'm properly warmed up and efficiently lubed up, one of my favorite new bedroom accessories to reach for is the Oh My C from Ioba. I'm not sure what mechanism is in this thing, but the toy has a little nub that rotates at different speeds, so it mimics the sensation of being orally stimulated. It's nice, it's light, and it's quiet. Sometimes the sounds of my toys can actually take me out of my experience, so a softer, quieter toy is incredibly appreciated. I make sure to take deep breaths as I let the pleasure and sensation build, breathing it throughout my body, and when the time is just right, I pick up the speed of the rotation and I ride a full body wave of ecstasy. This is one of many acts of devotion I choose to regularly deliver to myself. And it's not about what my partner can or cannot give to me. It's about taking time to be with myself in my pleasure, doing anything and everything that feels good for me. If you're looking for a quiet, high-quality, beginner-friendly, super-cute vibe that doesn't actually vibe too hard, my personal recommendation is the Oh My See from Ioba. 
See the show notes for details and a discount. So I have one more chlamydia story. (laughs) I have one more chlamydia story and then I'm going to move on to a different STI. Mm -hmm. Um, So, uh, and I don't know if we've spoken about this publicly on the podcast, but Jordan and I have spoken about this in other in other places, whether that be in front of our group programs or which Jordan is my uh, fiance and, or whether that's, you know, on a Facebook live or something like that. So when we first got together, now this is now a year or two into me just submerging fully into this world of uh, sexual development and education and curiosity and all of that. And um, we start connecting and I have a different way of, I have more information And so the way that I'm discussing these kinds of things is very matter of fact. And what's the weather and when's the last time you were checked? And do you like anal? And, you know, like it's just all conversational now. And um, one of the things that I said to him when we first got together was, okay, well, you know, he was in California. I was in New Orleans at the time he was coming to visit. And I said, okay, well, you know, I'm, I'm welcoming you here and that's amazing. And if you have any, any inclination or any desire to get sexual with me in any way, getting tested as a requirement to play. Mm-hmm. And I said it very matter of factly. And so he went and he got tested. The results weren't in until the second day that he was there. And like he went as soon as he could. And so we understood that the first day. So there was like cuddles and touching and making out and all of that, but there wasn't any actual sex. And then the second day, I actually got his test results back. And um, he hadn't been tested for a long time since like probably early college something like that. And we were in, you know, we're at around 30 at this point. And, um, I remember there was some, actually, I think that first night there was even like a little bit of oral play, you know, there was like very light, there wasn't anything. And it's like, Oh, you know, we've got something to wait for. And then he eventually got really nervous. And when the results came in, because he was positive for chlamydia and he had the same reaction. I had an opportunity to act like the partner I really wish I would have had. Mm -hmm. And he was so nervous to share this information with me because he knew that he, it wasn't something he could hide from someone like me. And I don't know if he would have, because he was very much in an ignorance is bliss kind of thing. Like he hadn't been tested in a long time and he'd had multiple partners. And so he had an assumption that there's, he had one of those, like, I wouldn't be surprised if it came back with something, but you know, as long as I can get away with not, and I don't have any symptoms because pretty typical that people with penises don't have symptoms for an extended period of time, especially for something like commit chlamydia. Mm -hmm. So, um, he comes to me and he tells me and I go, I have the antibiotics for that in my bathroom. And I was like, I just, I have them if you want to have them. And my response was okay. My response was amazing. Let's have a conversation about it. And so then we spoke and then I was really holding space for him to process what this what he believed this meant about him and Mm -hmm. for him. And then I got to respond with love and grace and lightheartedness. And like, I understand it is in a way a big deal for you right now with what your experience is. And also this isn't as big of a deal if you'd like for it not to be as big of a deal for you. And then wound up, um, he, I gave him the antibiotic dose, which I I had from something previously. And then I also took it because there was oral sex involved. And so I was like, well, this is a possibility that I have this in my throat now. So, you know, and just having that understanding. And then we both tested, both of us tested right after that. And we both tested negative. So that's how I knew that that all panned out the way that it panned out. So um, just share that relationship, actually. Yeah, it was very early on. Like just get it over with. And, and to see that for him to see that there was no rejection, no judgment, no, nothing like, okay, this is just, you know, what we got to take care of. And now the conversation is open and now you can really have a good time. Yeah, absolutely. And now he knows that no matter what in this realm, he's got a partner that's going to go, okay, well, now we cross that bridge. Now we figure that thing out. Mm -hmm. And, and it could have been really anything. And there are times when, when, you know, I play that, that game in my head, well, what if he would have told me it was herpes Mm -hmm. and then what would I have done? You know, Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. And what if sex would have happened? And then I'm like, okay, would I feel any differently? I'm not sure. Cause I've never had that interaction, but I do know that there are certain STIs, STDs that register, you know, differently for people. So I'm Mm -hmm. curious your thoughts on 
you know, having those conversations when it involves herpes, something like herpes or hepatitis or, um, or even HIV. Mm -hmm. Right. They're complicated conversations, Mm -hmm. right? Because we're talking lifelong, right? So we know that there's no cure for herpes. There's no cure for HIV. There's no cure. Well, there are cures for hepatitis, but different. So herpes, for example, literally, I think it's one in four, one in five people in this country have herpes. And so there was also, let's, let's like define herpes, right? There's herpes one, which is oral herpes. And there's herpes two, which is genital herpes. But if you've ever had oral sex, you can just blend it up, right? So you can get herpes two on your mouth or herpes one genitally, like if I have a cold sore and I go down on you, I'm going to give you my cold sore on your genitals. So don't, don't, they are interchangeable in a sense. Herpes two tends to be more of a more intense infection than herpes one. They're treated the exact same way and they live in you in the exact same way. Like once you have it, you have it. Um, I I have people have often asked me this question, like she said she has herpes, so I don't want to be with her. I'm like, in my mind, that's ridiculous, right? Um, It's probably likely that you may have been exposed anyway. The tests are not great. Like the the testing around herpes, we don't standardly order herpes testing on people because you could have been exposed. It may mean you never have an outbreak ever, or you might have a hundred outbreaks. We don't know. Um, So for someone who has had an outbreak, then getting on treatment for either the, the acute episode so that you're not transmitting when there's a lot of viral shedding, when there's lesions present, but you can also go on preventative therapy, which actually decreases the shedding even more so that you, that you're less likely to spread it to someone else. So herpes is painful. It's annoying. It's not dangerous to the person who has it, except if a woman has an outbreak during the time of delivery, she needs to have a C-section because you don't want a little baby's head to go through and touch hepatic lesions. It can be super dangerous for the baby. But um, it's so endemic that I think we should stop being scared of it. Yeah. Like we just need to learn to live with it and people shouldn't feel shame about having it. Um, You know, lots of times cold sores come from kisses from your grandma who had a cold sore. Like, let's just like, it's just there. It's in all of us. So we just need to learn to live with it. I would say the same holds true for HIV. So I've been asked this a lot as an HIV provider. Um, if, If someone said to me, you had to choose whether to have HIV or diabetes, I would choose HIV because I could still eat whatever I want. I can take a pill every day that treats my HIV infection and prevents me from spreading it to someone else and also prevents me from getting really sick. So I just pop that pill every day and go about my business. And honestly, people have also asked me after being an HIV practitioner for the last 25 years, if I met a man right now who was positive, would that be a reason to not be in a relationship with him? The answer is no. It is not a reason to not. It would be like saying your boyfriend has girlfriend has high cholesterol is that a reason to stay away from them no because it's manageable and it's untransmittable when a person is in treatment and there's also prep so like if i'm uncomfortable like a little worried like maybe there's a viral breakthrough i could take prep every day and we can have an amazing sex life and i'm not going to get hiv right so we need to stop like ostracizing and stigmatizing those people and bring them into the fold of humanity because then also people will be less ashamed and more people will go get tested. More people will go get care because they're not afraid of being pushed out. We have to stop pushing people out. Agreed. Yeah. So, so, so agreed. I loved everything about what you just said. Thanks. Thank you. It's my philosophy. <laughs> I feel like I'm educating a lot on herpes. Um, you know, in my community spaces or in my group mm-hmm. programs, there's usually out of, let's say, 15 people, there's two that are mm-hmm. positive, mm-hmm. which I don't know if that directly, if that's like the really makes up for the one and four there. Yeah. But my, it kind of does. Um, so, and yeah, and, and there's usually a whole story that they, each individual person has about how Mm -hmm. they found out and where it came from and all those things and how they feel about it now and shame and all that stuff. And, um, and it's just like, wow, it's, if it's two in every, you know, 10 people or however many people, it's like, that's a lot of people that, you know, that probably have that. Um, what I found really fascinating is one of the times that I went to Planned Parenthood, this is actually about, about the time that, no, this was just for standard testing. Mm-hmm. I went and it had been a little while, so I wanted to go get up-to-date testing. And so I went in and um, I asked for, you know, in my mind, I was like, I want a full panel, test me for everything. And I went there and they told me it's X amount of money for this. And I was like, well, where's herpes on this thing? And they were like, well, we don't test for that. And I was like, why? And I found mm-hmm. that so interesting that whole dialogue that happened after the why we don't test for it which you described a little bit about it there but 
Um, there was also like, there's a lot of people that will test positive that have never had a breakout. And right. there's people that, um, that just by knowing that they're positive will kind of put themselves into a psychosomatic outbreak where it's like, they think that they have it. So they will actually create an outbreak because mm -hmm. they get the positive result. They also then isolate themselves because yeah. they think of themselves as like one big cootie, which I just cannot stand. Right. You are not a damaged human because you have HPV or herpes or HIV or anything like we are sexual beings. We are connected humans. This is part of that. And so um, there should be no, honestly, like no shame around that. Um, if you don't have one of those, you've just lucked out so far. <laughs> totally, totally. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and so I, I just found the whole thing where I was like, why? How? Cool. What else? Yeah. And got that information. And, um, and of course, right behind that, this was, you know, a handful of years ago. And then I immediately write about it. I'm like, everybody <laughs> yeah, right. listen to just re listen to my interaction with the people at Planned Parenthood. Um, and right. I, and I, the more information I get and the more, of course, empowered I feel and the less self-shame that I impose mm -hmm. upon myself for being a human, a human, because right. yes, I am someone who considers myself an ethical little slut um, of sorts where I've just, I have had lots of experiences. And what's so fascinating now that I'm, you know, uh, in a mostly monogamous relationship, we're getting ready to go through the whole parenting, parenthood journey. At least that's the idea over the next year or so. And I have ticked a lot of boxes, you know, as far as like my expression and, and travel and all of those things. And I am super grateful that I like had the experiences that I've had. And I get into like these you know, group conversations with my girlfriends and they're the ones that I've put on a lot of them have put um, at the top of their priority list when they were growing up is to just preserve themselves, mm -hmm. you know, to like not give their bodies away and to ensure their purity. And so they're, you know, at one point in their life, they were proud of the fact that they could only count their partners on one hand. And now that they're married and they're as far as they're in, in their relationship or they're about to get married or whatever they're what I'm hearing, you know, in my mid thirties, thirties is a lot of, I wish I would have done more. Exactly right. Yeah. Exactly right. Yeah. I wish I would have played, explored, gone around, like tried things out. And, mm -hmm. um, and I, it's just fascinating how this winds up transforming as, you know, a person gets a little bit older and things start getting put into perspective. And I think for those of us who might be in, in my age range that are getting ready to do the family thing, if you can get this information now so that you can properly inform the next generation, then you're going to save them a lot of challenge, hurt, pain, stigma, shame, all of that. And you're going to empower them to actually make really good decisions for their sexual health and hopefully their pleasure too. Because if you educate them on the sexual health components, I sure hope if you're listening to my, to my podcast, you're also talking to them about how to give consent, how to be enthusiastic and how to actually enjoy yourself. So, right. You know, right. there was me on my soapbox. No, good. Uh, you raised two things that I just wanted to emphasize. Okay. So, um, I have a, a, a woman that I've been taking care of for many years. She's a pretty extraordinary young woman who's HIV positive, but she was going to a women's health clinic, um, in Oakland, California, actually for years saying, I want a full panel, full panel. And they would test her and they tell her you're negative, you're negative. And then she walked in one day, she goes, I need my HIV results. And they're like, what? She's like, yeah, well, you said you were doing a full panel. They never did an HIV test on her. And so when they did, and she was positive, she has no idea when she got it because she thought they had been screening her. So when you say full panel, what you did was right. Ask what's in the full panel. Mm -hmm. Make sure you're getting all the tests that you want. Don't let someone else decide for you what test is right for you. And you have to remember that if you're eligible for one STI, you're eligible for all of them. So you can't just say, oh, I might have chlamydia. No, chlamydia often goes hand in hand with gonorrhea, just like that. Mm -hmm. And then when you have an STI, you're more at risk for acquiring HIV because there's irritation in the mucosa of the vagina or the penis that allows HIV to actually get in a little more easily. So you should always get screened for the whole HIV, gonorrhea, chlamydia, all three sites and syphilis. They all go hand in hand. So don't be afraid to ask for that. And it doesn't mean you're a bad person because you want something more than a chlamydia test. Yeah. Like you're a good person. You're owning your health. You're owning your safety. You're owning your sexuality. So just like go for it and be bold. And you can train the providers to take better care of you. Snaps. Nap. Was that both the points? Uh, what was the other point? Hmm. Maybe I, maybe I wrapped them both in there, but probably yes. so. Those great points that, um, 
another thing that that I've realized over time with herpes specifically is I had a, a client at one stage that was uh, in a marriage, mm-hmm. contracted herpes in her marriage, like at the beginning of her marriage, had a 17 year marriage, two kids, a whole thing, and then got divorced. Um, she had an outbreak early on and then didn't have an outbreak after right. one, one outbreak and right. then didn't have another one uh, ever. Mm-hmm. And started working with me. And this is again, a couple of years ago or a handful of years ago, started working mm-hmm. with me about dating post-divorce. Mm-hmm. And um, she eventually wound up getting with someone who wanted a new panel and like wanted to see the information and this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And which I was really excited about and empowering her and that person and all those things. And she was so nervous to deliver the information that she had contracted it you know, nearly 20 years ago and had had one breakout and never had a breakout ever since. And what was really interesting was just like holding her through that process because she all but swept it under the rug because it wasn't expressing itself and she was in a marriage. And, um, and what was so really fascinating about it is that she delivered the information and he said, well, do you have a breakout now? Do you feel sick? Do you feel fevery? Do you feel anything? And she was like, no. And he goes, great, let's play. That's awesome. Great. That's That's awesome. That is that is a very common case with herpes, by the way, that you'll get an outbreak. It can not necessarily even related to like when you got it. Like it can be weeks later, it can be months later, it can be whatever. And then you can never have another one again. And so oftentimes they can be so mild that you miss it. You didn't even realize it was herpes. So if you look at the like the the body structure of a male and a female, so oftentimes the men have herpes around the base of the penis because the women have it on the labia. And so men miss it all the time. If it's not painful and it's in the pubic area, they don't see it. And then they're spreading condoms don't necessarily protect you. Right. Cause the condom isn't going up over the edge and around the labia. Right. So, um, yeah, but good for her and good for him. Totally. And this was like someone again, like I was saying, post 17 year marriage. So you can do exactly. the, you can do the math that this yeah. is still something for someone into their forties right. and fifties, right. you know, right. So that reminds me of one other little story that I do want to tell you just very quickly, because I think that people think that they age out of STIs. You do not age out of STIs. There are outbreaks in nursing homes of gonorrhea and syphilis. Okay. But I had a woman um, back when I was in brick and mortar practice who went to her 50th high school reunion. Can you imagine? She went to her 50th high school reunion and hooked up with her high school boyfriend at her reunion. That's hilarious. And got HIV though. Oh, he didn't tell her he infected her with HIV. HIV wasn't even around then, right? We had the clap back in the day. There was no HIV before 1982 and even later in the heterosexual community. So people who've been in long marriages, it's not in their mind frame to think about these other STIs or any, because it wasn't part of their mind frame before they were married for 30 years. So people need to be educated as they come out of long-term relationships, whether it's divorce or widowed or whatever. If you're having sex, if you're 90, you're eligible for an STI. If you're 13, you're eligible for an STI. If you're male, female, cisgender, whatever gender, whatever, if you're human, you're eligible for an STI. It's really important that we talk about it. And OBGYNs aren't talking about it. Geriatric providers aren't talking about it with their older patients. Um, It's really unfortunate. It's a disservice to the community. Agreed. Which is, again, reminders for people who are, I would say, in my age range because our parents are not old enough necessarily depending yeah. on when your parent had you um, are not, not at the point where they could potentially be going into a nursing home anytime soon. And we also have children potentially that are not old enough to be really edu like they're, they're young or they're not born yet. So yeah. I would say like people who are in my age range are in the perfect position to be the ones that are educated so that yeah. we can take care of this because the old people and the teenagers are going to look at us like GTFO. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, I've taken care of teens and they'll come to me and they're like, how do I talk to my mom? Cause I've spent a lot of time speaking in high schools around HIV. And it's like, how do I talk to my mom? How do I talk to my dad? How do I get them tested? Cause they see their dating life. They kids see everything. Okay. Don't kids see everything. So um, yeah. Or how do I talk to my grandma who's now dating for the first time? And it's, yeah. it's by just talking, like just talk about it. For sure. And um, as a part of the conversations, get tested. Get tested. Yeah. Get tested. Easy. Get tested. Know your status because then I'm telling you when you get a test result, well, no matter what it is, if it's your colonoscopy or your STI test, when you're negative and you know, it feels amazing. Like, cause you're, you're testing for things that you can't see. Just, just 
remember that a lot of these are asymptomatic. So you can't just assume you'll know because you won't know. And then the earlier you know, either you're negative, it's fantastic, or you're positive, you get treated before there's sequelae or side effects or before you're spreading it to other people, just like become empowered, know your status. Absolutely. Absolutely. And even if you were to get it and it was to be a positive result, you regardless, you leave empowered because you're empowered in the, I've gotten the test and I am um, empowered because I have this negative result or I'm a positive here. And now I'm empowered to to do something about it because the in-between is a really murky, uncomfortable gray area. And I want to help more people get out of the gray. Me too. Me too. Absolutely. Virtual high gray, five. Right. The gray is, gray is scary. Gray is not a, not a safe place to be. Right. I agree. Yeah. Perfect. Absolutely. So everyone, if you have not been tested in a long time, and I'll just go ahead and throw out that Jordan and I, even though we are each other's only partners right now, and we have been for X amount of years, you know, we are considering playing with others and we're going on dates every now and then. And while it might, we might be long time away from actually having any kind of sexual interaction with another person, we're still going to get regularly tested. It feels good to go. Mm -hmm. I've taken control of my sexual health and my health in general. And it feels good to exercise that right and that that freedom, um, especially to say, I'm going to do the testing for myself. So I absolutely love the freedom and the power that at-home testing gives. And the mm-hmm. fact that Norex has even more than just, you know, drop your blood on a little card, send it in, get results, but you don't speak to anybody that you provide so much more in the sexual health space. I um, mean, it's just so amazing. And um and to know that someone like you is at the at the helm of providing the information who feels it like you watched people get taken down yeah. uh, by some of this. And so it's real for you. And that's definitely different than going to someone who's only read about some of these things in books. There's heart that's there. And um, companies, companies that have people at the helm and that are giving that are providing the services that really do have that deep connection, their clients and their patients can feel that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I would say that that's the makings of having clients and patients for life, you know, right. exactly for their right. lives. Exactly so, right. Thank you for all that you do. Thank you for, for providing knowledge. And I'm realizing as we kept talking, like I have even more stories to tell. So maybe I will save those for a different um, episode. And there's still so much more to go into with some of these STDs, STIs, um, and and just misconceptions and how to navigate them. And then of course we can have an, an entire conversation or an entire podcast episode that is how to talk about these things because people could be like, okay, well, I'm in, I'm empowered. I'm going to go get tested, but now how the fuck do I talk about this to someone? So that's a whole podcast in and of itself. And so um, for the sake of time and knowing that this convo has come to, um, to the end, I just want to say thank you for what we did dig into. And I hope that everyone takes this, you know, little aha here or aha there. Um, Maybe you've let go of a little shame. Maybe you feel validated. Whatever it is that you're taking away from this episode, just know that the rabbit hole goes pretty deep and just go a little further. Get a little more information. Join our community spaces. um, Contact us through our email. Hello at that sex chick. If you want more resources, we've got you covered. And of course, if you want to get tested, check out Norex. Thanks. It was great to be here. Of course. Is there anything else that you'd like to share before we sign off? No, just, just try and drop your fear and, and know that your body is worth loving and, um, and just go with that. Like, trust me, you're normal. Fuck yeah. You're normal and your body is worth loving. Every single thing about you is worth loving. I love that. Exactly. Thank you so much, Emily. You're welcome. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. If you loved it, be sure to subscribe so you never miss a new episode. And if you extra, extra loved it, make sure to leave a five-star review. I'll see y'all next week.